0: Amen, thank you, Shavon. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is good to give thanks to the Lord. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, on this uh, Thanksgiving day, we are uh, thankful for this church family. We're thankful for the best family, for little Micaiah, for the dedication that we just witnessed, for the the songs we've been able to sing, for the fellowship that we will enjoy today, Lord. We're thankful for our own families. We're we're thankful for food and time together, especially after the last couple of years. We, We are thankful for the opportunity to to gather in homes, to share a meal, uh, to hug and to kiss loved ones. Lord, we're thankful for your word. We're we're, we're thankful for its power. We're thankful for its truth. We're thankful that the grass may wither and the flower may fade, but your word will stand forever. And so, God, we pray right now that as uh, we gather to, to give you thanks, to give you praise, Lord, that that you would speak to us through your living and active word, and that we would receive what you are saying to us through your living and active word, God. That that we would be uh, it filled with anticipation. That you are a God who gives. You are a God who speaks, and for that reason, we can be so thankful. And Lord, we we pray that you would be glorified as your word is taught now. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, on the topic of uh, Thanksgiving, we are thankful for uh, new church plants, uh, especially new church plants here in our uh, country. And this past month, we saw a new church launched with a new Great Commission Church uh, Great Commission Collective Church launched in Edmonton, a redemption church, uh, Edmonton. Pastor Kyle Hunter, who was part of the Mission City of Brantford, a staff team for a number of years from out west, moved his family back out west, and they just had uh, their first service. Here's a, a picture of their uh, first uh, service uh, on, coming up on the screen here. There we go. And uh, so we're really thankful and excited about that. Something worth clapping for. Uh, so let's, uh, let's celebrate that. And then some of us know and have been praying for many, many years for Iglesias Doxa, for Pastor Eric Ricard and his, uh, his family, and uh, they are uh, from Montreal, uh, uh, interned at Oakville for a period of time, and then have been laboring uh, to, to plant and establish a new church uh, in Montreal. And this past month, um, we're so excited for Pastor Eric and his wife, Marie-Michelle, and that's the, uh, their first service uh, as well. So we praise the Lord. Uh, for that, and so these are new churches that are coming together, uh, uh, new believers and existing believers who are coming together, and and I sort of see this fall as as, a, as sort of a a new launch for our church family as well. We've had lots of people who sort of joined us uh, in the last couple of years. We're seeing uh, people return to church. I saw a couple of people that I haven't seen them in two and a half years. I saw them for the first time uh, this morning. And so we're we're all gathering uh, together and, uh, and we're using this season, this time, really to be reminding ourselves of, of five things that we want to be doing together. We want to be on, on mission together, and we want to be a worshiping uh, together, and, and we want to be walking uh, together, and working together, and witnessing uh, together. And we, we don't want to do that On our own terms, we want to do that in a way that is biblical, uh, that's founded on God's word, and we want to do it together. So we want to do it in a way that's relational, that's 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 building into loving relationships within the church family, and then we want to do that in a way that is prayerful, not depending on our own wisdom or our own strength, but depending on the Lord. And today we're going to be talking about working uh, together. We're, We're going to be talking about working together. And we find ourselves in 1 Peter chapter 4. A Peter has, is writing this letter to a group of people who he calls in chapter 1, he calls them the elect exiles of the dispersion. The elect exiles of the dispersion. Dispersion just means a group of people who have been spread out all over the world. And so this is a a broad general letter that was supposed to be read in a number of different locations. But he calls them elect exiles. He calls them elect. They were the chosen people of God. That that God in his his sovereignty had had made it possible for these people to to have their hearts open to receive and believe the gospel. And so he calls them elect. And, And now because they've been chosen by God, because they belong to God, because they've been adopted into his family, heaven is now their home and eternity is their inheritance. But because this... Because this world is no longer their home. They're called exiles. They are elect exiles. And Peter is writing to these Christians who day after day are learning more and more that, yes, I belong to the church. Yes, I belong all together with the people of God. But I don't belong in this world My views and my God and my morality are not welcome in the broader culture. That is who Peter is writing to. People who are beginning to feel that tension... Of heaven is my home. This world is not my home. I'm not, I'm not being welcomed with open arms by my coworkers or my friends, my neighbors. My, uh, uh, I'm increasingly being ostracized and marginalized and put over to the side. And so Peter is writing to them, helping to process... Some of the suffering that they are experiencing. And he's continually pointing them to Jesus and Jesus' suffering. And think, hey, because Jesus died on the cross and he suffered, think about what that accomplished. How much more then would our suffering also accomplish a purpose in our lives? So he's pointing them to Jesus in the midst of their suffering. And he's also pointing them to Jesus in the midst of their serving. He's calling them to serve one another, to love one another, to take on a posture of humility in how the church relates to one another. He calls us to serve. You know, Christians are called a lot of things in the Bible. We're called sons and daughters of God. We're we're called salt. We're called sheep. We're called a royal priesthood. We're called a holy nation, but we're also called, a lot of times, we're called servants. Paul often refers to himself as the the servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. That our mindset, as we're living in the world as elect exiles, our mindset must be that we are here to serve. And if you are a true follower of Jesus Christ, and if you're worshiping him, and if you're walking with him, it's only natural that that worshiping and that walking should also result in some working. It should result in loving service towards the body of Christ. I love the way A.W. Tozer uh, describes the importance of service and where it comes from. He says, No one can long worship God in spirit and truth before the obligation to holy service becomes too strong to resist. Is your experience of worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ and walking with him, is it growing to such an extent that the obligation to to start to serve him, to build up the body of Christ, is it becoming in you, is your worship of Jesus producing in you this, this unrelenting desire to use the gift that you've been given To serve the Lord Jesus Christ and build up the church. Do you have a heart to serve? Because those who have a heart to serve will be eager to find a place to serve. Those who have a heart to serve will be eager to find a place to serve. So Peter here, as he comes to the end of the letter in in uh, chapter 4 verse 10 he says as each has received a gift use it to serve one another. I just want to share with you a three things that all of us need to consider if we are going to have this desire to serve build up in us as we're worshiping and as we're walking and that should overflow into working. Three things that we need to keep in mind. Here's the first one. We need to keep in mind the idea of sharing responsibility. Sharing responsibility. Verse 10 says, as each has received." a gift. When you became a Christian, I mean part of the reason why we have Thanksgiving is because all God does is give. God is generous, therefore we are grateful. That's how it works. And we we serve a generous God, a God of abundance. And so it's right for us to give thanks. When you became a Christian, automatically you were given things. You were given forgiveness. You were given salvation. You were given freedom. You were given adoption into God's family. You were given an inheritance. You were given eternal life. You were given, you were given, you were given, you were given. One other thing that you were given is you were given a spiritual gift. At the moment of conversion, you were given a gift. That is a supernatural power or strength that God has given you. That only you have to build up the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 of verse 7 says, To each is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. All of us have something that God has given us that manifests the Spirit of God. That, that shows the rest of the church who God is, reveals the goodness of God, the power of God, the, the wisdom of God, the glory of God. Each of us have been given this capacity to reveal something about God that only you can do. And all of us have a responsibility to use this gift, this manifestation of the Spirit, and to use it For the common good. Spiritual gifts are are often misunderstood. So let me just get a definition on the table here. Spiritual gifts are specific supernatural abilities given by God to each of His children for the purpose of serving the church for His. Glory. That's what a spiritual gift is. Every believer has one. It's been given by God, it's a supernatural ability, and its purpose is to serve the church for the glory of God. There's a bunch of lists of spiritual gifts in the book of Romans, the book of Ephesians, the book of 1 Corinthians, here in 1 Peter. There's a number of of different gifts. None None of the lists match up with one another. Often they overlap. They're probably not intended to be exhaustive, but just to give a picture of different ways Christians are gifted to build up the church. You might have someone who has the gift of administration, another person who has the gift of encouragement, another person who has the gift of helps, and and another person who has the gift of mercy. Now, here in the church today, because we have different ministries and different opportunities to serve, sometimes we confuse ministry with gifting, and, we, and we, we hear things like, like something like someone has the spiritual gift of worship leading. Worship leading, not, that's not a spiritual gift that's, lifted, that's listed in the Bible. So you might say, I don't have the, the spiritual gift. You might not have musical ability, but that doesn't mean that you don't have a spiritual gift. Or uh, someone has, they have the spiritual gift of working with children. That's not in the Bible. We're all called to invest into the next generation. There are people on the worship team who have the gift of mercy, who have the gift of administration, who have the gift of teaching, and who have the gift of encouragement. And there are people in in Hope Kids who have all of the same gifts. There's people on our facility team that have all of those same gifts. Spiritual gifts can be plugged into any ministry context. You might have a certain affinity for working with a certain group or a certain ministry, but... Your spiritual gift can be used in any context. Let, let, me, let me tell you what I mean. Let's say the facility team is working on a project. They need to change all the light bulbs in the auditorium or something like that. That sounds like a good idea. That was a dad joke free of charge. But so you've got, you've got a, a, you know, four or five people in the, uh, in the facility team. One sends out an email and figures out a day that works for everyone, sends out a Calendly link for everyone to fill out some sort of survey to make sure everyone gets there, sends 11 email reminders. That person has the gift of administration. And then there's a, a, things aren't going well. It's really high up, and we're trying to look into lights, and the, but, but it's really difficult. But then there's someone who's saying, come on, guys, we can keep doing it. This is really important. Church is coming on Sunday. People need to be able to read their Bibles. we got to get this done. That person has the gift of encouragement. And as we're going along and, and, and talking and working on this facility project, someone says, well, what are you doing this weekend? And everyone else is listing off these different things that they're doing with their family over Thanksgiving. And then one person doesn't really, well, I don't really have any plans. or they, And another brother on the team notices that that person looked a little downcast when they were asked about thanksgiving and family. And that person, after, the sur- after working together, takes that person aside and says, Hey, I noticed that you seemed a little down," And they, they talk for another hour because that person has the gift of mercy. While the gift of mercy person is talking to the person who's discouraged and the administration person has already run off to something else, there's still all of, the, all of the light bulb packages that have been strewn all about. And so there's someone else who's walking around and cleaning all of that up and walking it over to the dumpster, making sure the building is locked up. That person has the gift of helps. There's no such thing as the gift of facility maintenance. All of the different gifts can be used, and loved ones, the same thing can happen in kids' ministry. We need, we need people to teach the kids. We need administrators to help get people checked in and, and, and uh, take attendance and, and organize the lessons. We need the children's ministry workers need lots of encouragement, lots of mercy. Mercy to the kids who are struggling to behave. Mercy to the parents who are struggling with the kids who are struggling to behave. Whatever gift you have, you could find any ministry and use those gifts to the glory of God to build up the body. So let's be done with this talk of like, I don't have the spiritual gift of youth ministry. or I don't have the spiritual gift of this or of that. You have a spiritual gift, and that gift could be used in any context. And if you have a heart to serve, you will be eager to find a place to serve. So he says above all, oh sorry, he says in, in verse 10, as each has received a gift, use it. Use it. There's the command right there. Don't let your gift just sit there on the shelf use it. The way that we show someone that we're thankful for a gift that they've given us is by using it. When we open a gift on our birthday or at Christmas time, it doesn't matter how much we talk about what a nice gift it was or that was so thoughtful or thank you so much. We know if the person really likes the gift or if the person is truly thankful for the gift, if they use the gift. But if it stays up on the shelf, we're not honoring the giver. And we need to make sure that we're honoring the giver of the gifts by using our gifts. And so I asked the ministry leaders in our church, just give me a rundown. I mean, we're really packing out one service right now. Probably sooner than later, we're going to have to look at going back to, to two services. And so what is going to need to happen if we're going to, to make that leap? And so here's the, here's the lay of the land in terms of ministry opportunities. There's, there's room for 25 more volunteers to step up and serve in Hope Kids. Again, it doesn't matter what spiritual gift you have. There's a, there's a need there, and if you have a heart to serve, you can find a place to serve. We need a couple of people to help out with administrative re- uh, support here in the office or even working from home uh, remotely. We need to establish a, a safety team, sort of providing a secure perimeter around the building and for kids while the services are happening. A parking team, as parking becomes more and more uh, difficult with one service, and then it also creates some challenges with two services. Our cafe is looking for four more volunteers, and our youth ministry is looking for 5 more volunteers. Again, if you have a heart to serve, you'll be eager to find a place to serve. There's plenty of places to serve in our church. Will you share in the responsibility? Every dinner at our church, we we I'm sorry, every every dinner in my family <laughs> I'm going to use my family as an analogy for our church, but after every dinner, you know, we open up the little closet door near our dining room, and one of our sons gets to read off the chore chart. And there's four chores because there's four sons, and every son has a responsibility and they rotate on through it because some are more fun than others. And, you know, you don't want to sweep on a night that we have rice. And, and you, don't, you don't want to be scraping and loading the dishwasher when we have lasagna. You know, there's different, there, there, there's different challenges that come with each chore. But we rotate through the idea. It would be weird if we left Ezra off the list. He's part of the family. He, he needs to share the responsibility. It would be be weird if Jethro just went in with some whiteout. He probably doesn't even know what whiteout is. But if he deleted himself from the chart, right? That's not right. We're, we're, We're a family, and so we share responsibility. And so, Listen, if you're new to Hope, that's totally fine. But if you've been coming to Hope, like if you're part of the Hope family and there isn't a regular routine for you to share responsibility and work for Christ and to serve Him, I just gotta be honest with you, that's a little bit weird. Like it's, it's, there's just something not quite right there to be continually benefiting from how other people are serving you and you're being built up. But that you're somehow keeping your gift on the shelf and not taking responsibility. So that's where it begins. Peter says, as each of you have received a gift, everyone's got a gift. Therefore, everyone has a responsibility to serve. And it's a command. He says, use it to serve one another. But how are we supposed to serve? We're supposed to, to serve with humility. We're supposed to serve with a humility we're supposed to serve one another. And so if you're taking notes today, uh, it's serving with humility. So point number one is sharing responsibility. Point number two is serving with humility. We are called to be servants. Again, 1 Corinthians twelve seven talked about the common good to build up the church. We don't come to church as consumers, as customers, as clients. We're not here as passive observers, but we're supposed to come here as active and engaged members of the church family. We don't come to church wonder, like, wondering if I'm going to get something out of it. That's just the wrong mindset. We got to come to church saying, What am I putting into it? We're not here just to sit and to sing. And to listen, we're, we're here to, to serve one another. Now, I get all kinds of, like, uh, pastor jokes uh, from my uh, siblings, from my family, from many of you. You know what I mean? Oh, you only work one day a week. You're invisible six days a week and unintelligible one day a week. You know, stuff like that. And... Uh, and <laughs> Yeah, Sunday's, Sunday's a work day uh, for me. But loved ones, Sunday's a work day for all of us. And that's just a mindset that somehow we just have thought, well, Sunday's part of the weekend and church is just part of, you know, me resting and relaxing and recuperating and getting ready for work. No, no, no. You get ready for work when you come to church on Sunday morning. It, it's, it, it's a work day. And I also, I also feel like, uh, you know, people are often fascinated by people that work at a church. And I often get this question, when did you feel called to ministry? And I, I started saying when I was six years old. That's how I answer that question now. When did you get called to ministry? I was six years old when I was called to ministry. And they go, wow, you knew you wanted to be a, a pastor, a, a teaching the Bible as young as when you were sick? And I was like, oh, no, no, that, that, no. I, didn't, I never wanted to be a pastor. I never wanted I was, Like, ask Lindsay, like, this was not part of the plan I wanted to be a high school history teacher. I wanted to work at a Christian summer camp in the summers, but God had other plans. But but that's not, when I was called to ministry. It was when I became a Christian at 6 years old because that's when I was given a spiritual gift. And that's when I was given the responsibility to serve the church, to build it up. Those like ministry just means service. So when was I called to serve? I was called to serve when I was called to be saved. And and we are all called to serve. And we have such an incredible example because the one who called us to serve modeled serving so beautifully. Like in Mark 10, verse 45 Jesus said, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus says the whole gospel is about serving, that we were lost in our sin, but the Son of Man came to serve us. And he humbled himself and died on the cross so that we would have the privilege of being called not just sons of God, but servants of God. When we were called to salvation, we were also called to ministry, called to serve. And we're called to serve in such a way, that to serve behind the scenes, to serve humbly. And unfortunately, in the church, we elevate those who can speak well and those who can sing well. But... That's not how God has set up the church. The, the ones who ought to be honored are the, are the ones who are serving behind the scenes. Matthew 23, 11 and 12, the greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself, he'll be humbled, Jesus says. But whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And then Jesus, after wiping his disciples' feet, even wiping Judas' feet before the Last Supper, he says, I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Jesus says, to follow me is to serve your brothers and sisters in Christ and to serve humbly. As each has received a gift, use it to serve. Have the posture of a servant. And then it it all crescendos in Paul's letter to the church at Philippi in chapter 2. Where Paul says, do nothing from, from, from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. Our Savior is a servant. If we are following the Savior, he's going to lead us into places where we will have to humble ourselves and serve others. and when we understand the gospel when we understand Christ as the servant when we understand the cross serving is it, it's not it's not an obligation it's a privilege and and we don't sign up to serve in a ministry because we feel pressured to do it no no we feel passionate about living out our identity as, as followers of the servant who humbly served us, and so that we can can humbly serve his people. So we're called to share responsibility. We're called to serve with humility. And then here's the last thing we need to keep in mind when it comes to serving. It's, it's focusing vertically. Focusing vertically. One of the ways that we can get discouraged in our serving or stop in our working for Christ is when we simply have a horizontal horizon in in, in terms of our goals, our objectives, and our purpose. When we focus vertically, it's not what other people think about what we're doing that motivates us. It's what God thinks. So we focus vertically in terms of motivation. We focus vertically in terms of methods. We we don't just do whatever's pragmatic, whatever seems to work, whatever's gonna produce, you know, the, 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 the fastest yield of a crop. No. We're not going to build with wood hay and straw. We want to build with gold and silver and precious stones. We're not going to we're not going to focus on planting around the rocky soil. No, we're going to focus on good soil. So we focus vertically for the motivation. We focus vertically uh, for the methods. We also we also focus vertically for the power. <laughs> Because we we can do all that we want, right? We can work hard, we can plan, we can organize, we can spend ourselves. But unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, labor in vain. Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So the focus can't be, well, with. Ministry is not an algebra problem. It's not just if you know, if I do ministry output x for the amount of time, y that that will equal fruitfulness, and if, that's not how it works. God is the unchanging variable. I know that's a contradiction in terms, but it's always up to him, and so we have to rely on him. So look at, look at what Peter says here. We're, we're still in verse 10 says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Focus vertically. Good stewards. A steward is someone who manages someone else's pro- property. The word is oiknamos. Oikos means house. Namos means law or rule. The, a steward is an oiknamos, the ruler of the household. They're in charge of the master's property. That's what it means to be a steward, and a steward of God's varied grace. Again, we all have different gifts, and we can apply those gifts in different ministries. And the gift that you have is, even though you're serving shoulder to shoulder in a ministry with someone else, the same ministry, you have a different gift. It's God's varied grace. So how are you stewarding what has been entrusted to you in terms of the gift God has given to you, the time that is available to you, and just the stewardship of being part of this church family? You know, this has been an amazing uh, summer, fall in terms of uh, baptisms. We've seen some adults get baptized with some incredible testimonies. We've seen a number of youth get baptized as well. And when, when Hannah was baptized, or Naomi, or Neha, or Jonah, or Ben, or Karis or Evie, when, when these young people were baptized, some of them are, you know, 12 years, 13 years old, 14 years old, most of us were like, oh, there's a kid getting baptized. It's nice. It's good to see the youth are taking steps to follow Jesus. That's what most of us did. Oh, isn't that great, young people? But for a small few of us, We've had the opportunity to steward those young children. Some of them are newer to our church, but kids like Karis, kids like Jonah, kids like Evie, some of us welcomed them and held them into the nursery. Some of us sat and heard them read Awana memory verses to us. Some of us had to discipline and rein in some of the, some of the energy in the middle of a, of, a, of a junior high youth event. Some of us have the privilege of looking at a young person and saying, by the grace of God, I was involved in their discipleship. So, as it's our prayer that several years from now, Micaiah who is dedicated this morning, will, will stand in front of this church in answer to the prayers of his parents and in answer to our prayers and, and, and his grandparents, will we'll, we'll testify to his, his decision to follow Jesus and will go under the water and will be baptized. And my question to, to you is, is, is the way that you're living your life right now structured in such a way that you're going to be like, oh yeah, Micaiah, I... Yeah, I haven't really seen him or spoken to him or had anything to do with him in the last 14 or 15 years, but I'm glad he's being baptized. If that's the case, that's wrong. It's wrong. When my, when my parents come and visit our church, when people come and visit our church from other generations or other denominations they marvel that there's young people coming to church they can't believe all the young adults all the college and careers all these young families all of these babies all of these youth and they they would do these other churches would do anything to have some glimpse of the next generation continuing in the faith are we stewarding that church Are we stewarding that? These children belong to God. These families belong to God. Stop sitting and start serving. And again, focus vertically. Amen. Amen. That's worth clapping for. Cuz some of these kids are my kids. And right now, they think dad's a rock star, but how much longer is that going to last? <laughs> They're going to need senior high youth leaders and junior high youth leaders and Awana leaders to set an example for what it means to follow Jesus. I, like, I'm, I'm, this matters to me, not just because of, as a, the pastor of the church, but as a father who has children in this church. But again, our focus must be vertically. No one should sign up to serve in Hope Kids, because the pastor shouted on Sunday, so I should probably do something about that. <laughs> but it's a mindset of stewardship. That you've been gifted and that we've been entrusted with something. We see what's happening in the world around us. These kids need to be trained and developed and discipled in a way that we never, we didn't need it. These children are, are growing up as elect exiles. And we have a responsibility and a stewardship to pour into them and to develop them. And we need to have a long range, not just am I free on Sunday or am I free once a month for the next year. No, we need to have a long range view. 10, 15, 20 years down the road, what are we hoping to see God do through these kids? So our focus has to be vertically. These, are, these children belong to God and we are stewards of those Resources or stewards of, of, of those children and the resources and gifts that we've been given. God's varied grace. Again, we all serve in different ways. We all have different gifts, but we can use whatever gift we've been given to plug in and to serve in any ministry. We focus vertically. Look at verse eleven. Whoever speaks is the one who speaks oracles of God, and whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. We 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 focus vertically, and that when someone has a privilege of speaking or singing or doing something audible in church, they're supposed to speak the oracles of God. What are the oracles of God? You're holding it in your hand. That we're supposed to teach. The, we already have our content. Our songs are supposed to be based on scripture. Our sermons have to be based on scripture. So if you're speaking in youth or kids or men's ministry or women's ministry or whatever it may be. We're supposed to. We gotta, here, this is our content. We, we teach the oracles of God. And when we serve, we don't serve on our own strength because we're focusing vertically. We serve in the strength that God supplies. We focus vertically. We rely on him for strength. And then here's the end game. In order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. In order that God may be glorified. This is focusing vertically. It's all about him. It's not about pleasing other people. It's not about giving in to to feeling pressure that I need to do something. It's, God, I want to use my gifts to serve the church, to bring glory to you. Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 and 24 says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive an inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Whatever ministry we're doing, we're serving the Lord Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Psalm 100, verse 2, serve the Lord with gladness. Listen, in church, you won't always love what you're doing, but you can always love who you're doing it for. You, you, you can love your neighbor. You can love your church family. And even sometimes our church family can be hard to love. I know because I'm part of it. And I can be hard to love sometimes. But ultimately you're not doing it for the members of your church family as much as you love them. Because that, your patience is eventually going to wear out. But if you love the Lord and you know that you're doing it for him, serve the Lord with gladness. So, loved ones, I just want to encourage you, don't wait for something exciting. Don't wait for something convenient. Don't wait for something mystical, like the Spirit's going to whisper in your ear, facility ministry. <laughs> Those who have a heart to serve will find a place to serve. And if we do small, easily unnoticed things, everyone wants to do the big thing that gets a lot of attention and makes an immediate impact, but if we would be as a church family committed to do small, unnoticed things over a long period of time, who knows what God could do in this church family in a generation. We do our part, the small and the unnoticed things, and God can do his part. We're we're focusing vertically. We're serving humbly, and we're sharing responsibility. Let's bow our heads and pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we we just want to pause right now. We want to pause right now because we want to ensure that our motivation for service is not guilt but grace. And that our motivation for service is not feeling pressured but feeling passionate. And so God, my, my aim has been to speak and to serve and to speak the oracles of God, to speak with the authority of God's word into what serving means. And so Lord, I, I pray that your living and active word by the power of your Holy Spirit would stir in, your, in the hearts of those who are hearing right now to listen and to respond to what your voice is saying. But Lord, we want, our, we want our focus to be vertical. We want our eyes to be on you, not on the ministry needs, not on uh, what, what this person thinks or what that person thinks. We, all we care about is what you think and what you are about and what you have for us and for what you have for our church. And God, as we focus vertically, I pray that you would lift our eyes up to Jesus, the servant, the one who suffered on our behalf, the one who laid down his life and took it up again so that we could have the privilege of being called your servants and be found in your service. Lord, we pray that you would do a work in us. We pray, Lord God, that you would that you would stir in the Hope Church family a a desire to build up the body, a desire to serve, a desire to sacrifice so that the body could be built up, so that the next generation could be trained up. Lord, we pray for your help and for your grace in this regard. Lord, we love you and thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen.